Welcome to the show. This is our first recording of Code Adam. The, and so the, the gist of this podcast is supposed to be a safe space for anyone who has survived um, the t- troubled teen industry, which a lot of people have just now become informed about. And my first guest today, his name is Wyatt. He is a dear friend to me. He is someone who has created a platform already on Facebook, on different social media accounts. So uh, you can go ahead and introduce yourself, Wyatt. Thank you so much for being on our show. Absolutely. Hi, how you doing, Julia? My name is Wyatt. Happy to be a part of this uh, podcast. Um, super down to just kind of like, you know, explore any questions you may have and uh, really get into um, what this uh, whole journey was all about. Yeah, it's exciting to do this with you. I feel like one of the main reasons I wanted to have you be the first person on my podcast is because you know what it's like to continue communicating with people who've been in the industry or um, have graduated from these programs. Um, and I'm, yep. I just appreciate that you've set up a Facebook page and like also like have given us like a platform to communicate and keep up with each other and just check in on each other. Because I think people who have survived this, it's like really important for us to keep in, in, in contact with those people because nobody else knows what we've been through and like those are the people that we can confide in and can like share these stories and it's just like very easy to share the stories because it's like haha it's more of a joke and a laugh than a oh my god like what happened you know yeah totally um yeah no it's an absolute absolute pleasure um it's uh it's wild I mean it's been about like I don't know, 10 years or so. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's been a while um, since I or, uh, since I went to re- or treatment. And um, yeah, it's definitely been a, a journey since then. Um, yeah, and I'm really happy to share some stories and kind of dive into what went down. So I, me and Wyatt were both at the same program. We did go to the one in, Iron, uh, in Maine. It was called Ironwood. One of the first questions I have for you um, is who was your favorite or least favorite staff during your program? So from the first day, um, my first interaction was with Darren and Ron Ann. And so I would say you kind of had like an extreme on both ends. Like this guy that was very nice, um, really good, good dude in my opinion, uh, staff member um and then you had this this woman who was just so like uh like like tough and just like like damn kind of intimidating but you you saw something in her like you saw like this your own mother in her like you just saw this like i don't i just this good woman you just saw like two i saw two decent people that um very like very harsh kind of tell uh, the, the early stages that they had my best interest in mind, um, or at least I thought they did, you know, I assume they did, um, and uh, I would say to this day, um, Darren was definitely uh, one of my favorite favorite staff members, um, just a good guy, um, And, but like, I want to know, like, so, you know, we do have these like times where, um, the staff treat us like we're human and it's like, wow, it's this breaking moment where you're like, okay, I really care about this person as well because they care about me. They're showing a genuine interest. So I'm curious, like, yeah, Darren, he was definitely there when I was there because, um, 
I do remember Darren being like a great guy and like caring about us a lot. But like what stuck out to you? Like how did he show you like day to day um, that he cared more about you than like say uh, Nikki or Ryan or? What I can really say about Darren is when I was dropped off at Ironwood, um, most people were like delivered there or like kidnapped there or whatever. Um, (laughs) Actually dropped off by my parents. But um, what I really appreciated about Darren was that he treated the same way he did when my parents were in the lobby dropping me off. Like when it was a really serious moment and like really emotional, he didn't really change that after they left. Like he just good guy. Um, I think that's what like really stuck with me with him was that he he just had that like respect, you know, like this is somebody's child and I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I just felt like I got that vibe from him, you know, like he didn't, he didn't take a mask off once my parents drove away. You know what I mean? Mm, Yeah, that is very important. I felt like that. That's definitely like how a lot of us felt is, you know, our parents would leave or there would be a tour that came through and you're expected to smile and behave. And then, you know, the tour leaves and it gets back to, okay, who's going to cry next or who's going to go get sent on reflection or, what staff made it really hard for you and really challenging for you and like maybe Uh, sometimes their moods kind of got in the way of how your day went so um at this uh staff member named uh jason and he had a way about him that was like from the front super sincere and like wildernessy and like let's let's go like you know make a 10 and like fucking get involved in nature and all this stuff and and i was just like ah, i'm keeping my eye, eye on you bro like you're a little bit uh a little sus it just felt like a lot of uh you know too much by the books you know i'd be in the bathroom doing my hygiene which was super stressful uh, we had a timer set outside of the bathroom like a literal kitchen kitchen timer set for like five minutes i think for uh hygiene and then 10 minutes for shower and he would uh, start that thing and really knock on the door and just be like, yo, why? Like, one minute. And uh, he just got really in your face. And sometimes I'm just like, damn, Jason, just take it down a notch. But he just, you know, he, he wasn't about that life. and um, Yeah, he definitely was, like, one of the staff who saw us as, like, bad kids who deserved to yeah. be punished rather than, like, kids with a behavioral issue which our parents sent us there for um who might need assistance and might need some love and some like coping skills like he just treated everyone as like if they deserve to be punished and that's like really important when you're there is i mean i don't think a lot of people understand but like i i mean i was in a position where i was somewhat ready to get out of where i was like my biggest fear, the reason I went to Ironwood was, I, had, I mean, I had a lot of, like, drug problems and stuff like that, but I also just, I mean, the reason I did a lot of what I did was because of, like, the people I was around and, like, where I grew up, and um, so when I went to Ironwood, I, like, it, it was kind of like a, a la- like a last hope for, you know, some improvement in my life, just to be, a, be away from all the bad and like something fresh and different and um i just felt like it was super um 
it was really hard to be like in a, a new place and then be around like such like strict and just different staff members you know like i mean because i like personally i was struggling like when i first got there like i was really like not trying to be there i was homesick like i was sad like i was really down and i think a lot of people were like that and it's just not helpful to have like somebody so in your face and just loud and and like i I don't know just extra you know Mm -hmm. like too much yeah, definitely. Like there was definitely like a power thing going on with him that was really obvious. It's obvious to see now that we're adults because we're adults and we know what that feels like. Um, yeah. But when you're kids, you're like, "What is this guy's deal?" Like I don't understand. And like looking back, you're just like, "Wow, he just really enjoyed being in control of us and like having this like, you know, I'm going to tell you what the rules are and if you don't like them like we're gonna have an issue kind of vibe and that was his vibe with everyone which is just like not you were kids so it's like I maybe you have an excuse if they're if you're hanging out with adults who are in jail or something but you know you're we're a bunch of kids a bunch of teenagers um I just feel like that's not um that's just tough love that doesn't it's unnecessary because I'm all for the tough love with the staff that were you know enforcing it in like I want to say maybe like a professional way that they had to be at the program. But um, for him, it was just abuse definitely on his, on his part. And that just, and I'm not just talking like, you know, all the other stuff, emotional, uh, manipulative and just downright like rude to everyone and, and very much belittling and dismissive to everyone's feelings and behavior. Just. Yeah. And scary. Like at a place by yourself without, miles away from your home like you don't have like you can't just go home or like you you can't even call anybody like you don't have a phone you know you don't have freedom you don't have anything you know it's it's like really it's like amplified you're in a position like that you can't get out you know you can't tell anybody or do anything it's like really just real and it's terrifying and i hate to compare this to like prison but you know like I know in a prison, not every inmate has beef with every CO or every correctional officer. You know, did you, just kind of one of the shittier, uh, just extra staff members. And but I don't know. I mean, like we're young, we're kids. You know, we're not, and we're not total delinquents. Like we're we're just lost, and we have issues, but we're not. You know, old. We're not old if you know relatively speaking we're not like doing insane stupid stuff that i mean it's a it's all relative but we're not like inmates you know we're still kids and it just felt like sometimes with certain staff like that we were inmates and that was terrifying yeah i i 100 percent agree with that steven because i mean there was definitely times like and specifically with jason since we were talking about him um, the only time I was actually like assaulted in the program was by Jason. Basically yeah. that day, um, like they had made oatmeal and I guess they put way, way too much salt in the water to boil the water quicker. Like one staff yeah. went, put salt in the next staff went, put salt in all of them had yeah. the great idea. Like let's boil this water real quick and they throw salt them. in it. <laughs> That's what the idea was. And I guess that just like nobody realized somebody had already put salt in it so many times. So this oatmeal came out tasting like we cooked it in the ocean um, <laughs> yeah. 
And um, I just remember, like, he sat down with us. He's like, it's palatable. You guys, uh, you know, you don't appreciate what you have. Like, there's kids in other places who have nothing to eat. You know, eat it because you're ungrateful. And, like, he just sat there and he put the bowl in front of him. And he ate the bowl in front of us to be like, yo, look, if I can eat it, you can eat it. And it pissed me off so much. It made me so mad to be like fuck you, you get to go home at the end of this day and, like, eat whatever you want. And you, I know you're sitting there with a bunch of crackers in your pocket that we all want. So yep. it made me mad. Like, I just was like, no, I'm not going to eat this. So fuck it. I was already level one. They were like, fine, you're going to go back on reflection. And I was like, like ugh. So I walked outside just to get away from them. I wasn't even going to run away because where the fuck was I going to go? We're in Maine, man. right? And they called a code Adam. They sent, like, Mike A, which is a big ass guy, Paul. Uh, yeah, you remember Mike A? And yep. um and whoever and Jason. And like they all came running down the hill, which freaked me out. I was like, why are there's three guys booking it after like over to me? I'm not even going anywhere. So I started walking away from them just to walk out of like their they were running at me. And um Jason came up behind me and he had already like kicked my legs out smashed me to my face to the floor and then they were dragging me back into the dog it was just so unnecessary like I felt like if he had just said hey like what's going on do you want to talk about it let's go talk somewhere I'd been like oh yeah, yeah for sure let me go let me go have a chat with Jason sure but that was not what happened he instead like kicked my legs out and felt like he needed to like what was I going to do I was like at risk or something or I was going to hurt them or what I don't know it was mad um, cause I'm like this small, like little 13 year old, 14 year old yeah. at the time. Like, what am I going to do? You're one of the tiniest. <laughs> yeah. I was so small. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so I just remember being like, whoa, that was super unnecessary. And then even like Joanna, who was the staff at the time, she was like, yeah, what? That was so unnecessary. One of my all time favorite staff to this day ever. Um, I don't know if she still goes by Joanna, but yeah, I think it's gonna... CJ now. She's. Okay, well, okay, I'm just going to, we're going to, I'm just going to eliminate any of the confusion. I'm just going to call her Joanna just for the fuck of it. Um, she was hands down one of the best. And I think what made her so great was that, okay, A, I think it was really appropriate that she spent a lot of her time with the girls group because I think, like, considering you're at a place where you're already already segregating genders you might as well not have some fired up dude like Jason around a bunch of girls who God knows what they've been through and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like out of respect, like I think just from the get go, like just be sensitive to the topic, you know, Joanna stuck with her crew a lot. And, but here's the thing, like she would switch over and like, I got to know her a bit and honestly, I didn't really get to know Joanna that much until I was at the farmhouse. So I was at level three and four. And I think because it was less co-ed up there, you know, it was kind of more like everybody was together, which I think is great at that point. Um, yeah, it was just, it was nice to be around a somebody like her who was like really, like, I don't want to say from being a guy, like, oh, she's a bro, but just human just so human like and just like she's a bro like how i define somebody that's just really good with everybody like a bro like just straight with everyone and you know i don't know how to explain it she was just very i don't want to say nonchalant but um like 
she followed the rules, but she had a lot of common sense. Like, she used that all the time. Yeah, you could tell she went to, like, a really good school because the way that she handled each situation was not ever one that, like, was panic or uh, my mood's going to affect the situation or anything that a lot of the staff brought to our day-to-day lives. She was very much, like... I'm on top of it. I'm going to pull whoever I need to pull aside. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to get to know each other. I'm going to treat you like you're human. I'm not going to belittle you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to shame you. And just that alone made us feel like so much more human and so much more like at peace with um, our day. Just our day being around someone who treated you like that made you just more insane, like more sane than any of the other staff, honestly. What was the point in your program where you decided that you were going to comply with the rules and just to graduate? Okay. Um, That took me quite a while. Um, So, yeah, so that took me quite some time. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I would say when I was level, about level two out of four, so purple, um, you know, honestly, that was about three or four months into my program, and I really was still kind of, like, wanted to have fun, and, like, I mean, I'm a dude, so straight up, like, farting in the boys' bunk, and, like, saying shit in the middle of the night that you, sh- you know, shouldn't say, and, um, <laughs> so I-, I would say, honestly, like, I-, I think even to this day, it it still took me till the last day. And let me break that down. So the very last day, the day I graduated, um, that morning, I was at the farmhouse and I was in the barn and or the stable or whatever they called it. And it was I was literally graduating that day. And there was a giant, like, bogus, cheap uh, painting in the barn. So I, like, flipped it upside down. Like, so the, the painting is just upside down. And my parents, meanwhile, have already taken a flight to Maine. They're, like, basically down the street. It's, like, day graduation. And I get taken away from... I don't know what I was doing, but I was, like, taken aside in, in the office. And I was talking... I was had a talk with the... Uh, I don't honestly remember who it was at the time, but whoever manager was at the farmhouse and they're like look like that was basically really stupid like they're like we will call your parents and tell them to go home like you will not graduate today and I was like no and (laughs) I did graduate that day but very like it was shy like I barely graduated and because I was supposed to get basically sent down the same day because of what I did, like that would have been like you got to get sent down today, material. But Jesus, but yeah, your parents were like already in the airport, and yeah, they would have been like so mad if they were like ten grand because oh, what you flipped a picture frame. Bullshit. Yeah, but the point is, um, I mean, I would say to the end of the day, I like I don't think any anybody really ever wants to comply. But if I gotta rewind a little bit, um like realistically when I started to like actually excel I would say around four months into the program which for me felt like a very long time 
Um, cause it didn't have to be four months. It could have been like three months or, you know, a month or two or three, but, um, yeah, about three, three, four months. Um, and I got sent down quite a bit from the farmhouse. So I definitely didn't like, it was hard to let go of just doing whatever you want and having fun. And you know what I mean? That was just tricky. It was hard to like, let that go completely. Definitely. I think it's interesting to hear the I'm um, to like hear the response from you and like you know um, the next residents I'm gonna ask because I feel like for a lot of people like there was um, like you know you either spend all your whole time at Fry and then you break and then you just want to get out right. and you fake it till you make it or you're kind of right. like in this in between where it's like mm, I'm trying I'm kind of like ghosting along and you know if I mess like it's just so easy to mess up there and be sent back down and just like give up and almost like be like fuck it I'm not gonna comply then until you know you're like oh god I'm in stuck at the bottom again I have to do I have to force myself to do it again so it is hard like I feel like there's a lot of kids who um when they make it to the farmhouse which is when you make it to levels three and four um that that's like it for them they're they're like all right cool i don't want to go back down like i'm going to just like fake it till i make it and try not to make a mistake and just keep quiet keep my head low do the chores like Um, like getting out of prison a little bit yeah really paranoid like or you're you're out of prison but you're on probation still yeah exactly so you're like extra you're not quite free but you're close yeah exactly and I feel like there there is a lot of pressure on you as well you're like god like my parents are like I I remember getting like um the mail and they would say oh it's you know please don't get sent back down again like we can't afford it we're gonna pull you um you want to graduate don't you and I would be like yes (laughs) please like get me out of here that was hard I mean I think too like the DNA guilt or, or just pressure that I think even we put on ourselves as kids and even in this day that our parents put all this money into this program and we know like you know like the financial um, burden it puts on them monthly I mean whether it's a burden or not I mean to us it to me it felt like oh my god this is another month like this is a lot like that was hard for me to, to grasp like you know, because part of me just wanted to feel free and, and be me and, like, just do whatever I want. But the other part of me was, like, I, I'm not a, like, I'm not this shitty of a kid. Like, I can't put my parents through all this, but it's hard. Like, you know, part of me complied with my own will. You know, I wanted to genuinely just, like, try to deal with this and, and get better and, and whatever. But the other, other part of me was, like, well, you know, I can't put my parents through through more of this, you know? Like, it was kind of a mixed mixed bag of pressure. Yeah, I, I don't think I realized, like, how much it was until, like, um, a couple of the girls who were in the program with me mentioned it. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, my mom told me, like, it cost this much a month. So I don't even think I realized it, um, how yeah. expensive it was until, like, maybe three or four months in. But, yeah, I do remember that being, like, a big pressure as well. And even to this day, like you were just saying, um, I do think about it and I do feel bad and um, uh, I, it's crazy to think that someone could sacrifice that much amount of money and not know um, how traumatizing a program like this could be for right. us in the future. So, And I don't, you know, to this day, like, I don't want my parents or any parents that send a kid to a program like this to have any regrets mm. because I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, 
it's somewhat of a new age privilege that there there's even a window or an opportunity to to do this for a kid Mm -hmm. and I I really don't think like you can put any shame or guilt on a parent for really doing more than most parents by just straight up acknowledging a that my kid might need some help whether it's like you know an appropriate analysis or not you know I mean like I would never want my parents to feel regret or regretful about this uh decision because you know at the end of the day i always feel like i i i met like literally the best people in my life ever and i would definitely go back to ironwood just to meet like people like you and people like you know joanna and i I don't want to like say much of names but all the other people in the Ironwood group and like, I wouldn't have that without the experience, you know? And, and if anything, this, this podcast, this opening is, is a place where I can actually talk about what really goes down, where where we can all talk about what really goes down these programs. And, um, you know, not to like dismiss everything Mm because I think the, the intentions are good, but just to open people's minds that, you know, they're not perfect you know, these programs and, um, you know, I think the stories that come out of them and the growth and, and everything in between is really important. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I, and that, that's going to lead me into the next question I have for you, because I think a very important thing we don't realize is like a lot of us would probably be dead if it wasn't for these programs. Like if it wasn't oh, yeah. for Ironwood, like I know for me, if I had not gone to Ironwood, I probably would not be here because of suicide or idealization or whatever, you know, this program really, and I don't want to say necessarily it was the program that, you know, helped me realize that's not what I want for my life. It was definitely me wanting to do that for myself. Um, But the program being there at the time, um, the experiences I experienced there and just the healing I was able to do while I was there, like, was beneficial for me and for a lot of kids who've been in the programs it is very beneficial and they've learned something and grown from it in a huge way so we cannot sit there and say oh these programs are a hundred percent horrible toxic like you know how could anyone send you to any of like how could anyone send you to this or how could you you know because I have to be grateful and I have to be appreciative that like I got the help that I needed and you know I was fortunate that my parents had 10 grand a month to send me there because a lot of kids who've been through what I've been through or that you know, have experienced what I've experienced and feel the felt the ways I felt like wouldn't get a program that was going to give them therapy a once a week with family therapy in a safe environment where they can be around animals and be in the nature. And I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I think that the, the most important thing is to have the conversation so that these programs can get better and can get less traumatizing. And so that kids aren't being taken from their bedrooms at four in the morning and yeah. um yeah i think that's what the question the last question i have for you is you know where do you think you would be if you didn't get sent to ironwood i don't know i i think you know after iron ironwood and realizing you know who like what good friends and what good people really meant i i'm pretty certain that if i didn't go i i definitely don't think i'd be here i mean i just think i was in such a dark place and um yeah, I, I, uh, I think to this day, I still search for really good people. I mean, that's, you know, if anything brings me down on a given day, it's just not knowing, 
you know, who to trust and who's around. But, um, you know, the people that I met, you know, at treatment are, are genuinely the best people I've ever met. And I, I think I'd be lost if I didn't meet them. So, yeah, that's probably where I'd be or where it wouldn't be. Yeah, that is like a something I, I can... Uh, I can relate to on a on a very deep level as well because I feel like that was what saved me as well as just being so vulnerable around other people who I didn't know anything about just feeling no judgment and being able to love them as well not judge them for anything that they've been through and just feeling that like family like that family um, atmosphere is so vital to like getting out <laughs> I think so we were very lucky in that oh, yeah. in that sense for sure um, alright I think the last question i have for you if you have any code adam stories the code adam podcast would love to hear it we love a good code adam yeah. story um so please do us the honor telling uh, um shoot let me think for a sec so i can i tell you the tim Don story yeah i would love that yes awesome <laughs> i know i told you i'll tell you again for the uh, for everybody so um all right so it's a very crazy evening it's okay. Let me rewind. So it's, I'm, I'm level one. No, no, I'm level two purple. I'm at fry. It's a very, uh, chilly give or take October evening. And, um, it's about eight thirty PM in the boys bunk. It's been a long day. We're all tired. We're exhausted. We just want to go to bed and get some goddamn sleep. <laughs> and, we have a little bit of an issue happen in the lobby. And I'm very uh, very curious, very privy to all these things. I like to know what's going down. So I peek my head in the uh, the, the, the lobby, which isn't a big deal because there's no doors in the doorways. And um, I'm like, what's going down? We have uh, a buddy of mine, Mr. Tim Nunn. Um, he likes to call himself uh, 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 DJ Naughty Naughton. Um, <laughs> he's a very odd but wonderful, beautiful beautiful guy i hope for the best for him and so anyway but he's a bit of a troublemaker and um (laughs) and i can say this for sure because when i arrived um he was there at fry at level one and when i got my level two he was still at level one not a big deal but you know just saying and so we're having a bit of a he's having a bit of a back and forth with staff this evening and um, just talking some shit. He was trying to do some exercises, which is real weird. Um, he was a bit of a bigger guy, which I love. I think that that's super awesome and everything. Um, but and he and I, and I was like, yeah, let let the dude do some push-ups, you know, get down. And uh, and I supported him. I was like, fuck yeah, brother, jumping jacks, push-ups, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm about it, dude. Like, I can get down with this. And because uh, like we don't want to do that shit in the morning, but, like let's get let's get ripped in the evening, you know? We're already awake, and um, so he's trying to do uh, push-ups, which was so beautiful to watch. And and the staff kept saying, "You got to get in your bunk," and he's just like, "Nah." And they're like, "Look, man, if you don't get in your bunk and lay down and get horizontal," they always said that. They're like, "Get horizontal." <laughs> I was like, "That's really uh, demeaning," but okay, forget that. <laughs> Um, like I'm a piece of wood. <laughs> get horizontal, and so they're like, "Get horizontal." I'm like, "Oh God!" And I was sleeping above him, and <laughs> and he was sleeping below me. And he he told the staff, he's like, "Um, 
I'm sorry, no, the staff told him, they're like, if, if you don't stop, whatever the fuck he was, to, oh, if you don't stop this working out, like, because he was just get, trying to get ripped, <laughs> we're going to put you on a reflection tomorrow, which was the equivalent of, like, basically getting suspended in school, or an in-school suspension at a regular school, but the following day, and it was going to be all day, like, until you went to bed. And he's just like, do it. You won't, basically. And they're like, yeah, we will. And he just keeps doing his shit, trying to get ripped. And we all go to bed, and we're all sleeping soundly. <laughs> and it was a great night. I slept really good. And the next morning, we do our thing. We get up at, like, 6, do our bullshit-ass morning workout for, like, an hour. And then at 7, you know, have our, do our chores and then, you know, have our disgusting dry cereal or whatever. <laughs> And and then at eight or nine after more chores, we went to school in the school yurt, which was basically just a, a big tent for adults. And Tim Naughton's not there, and we don't think too much of it because we're like, maybe he's in therapy right now. You know, he could definitely use that first thing this morning. <laughs> Probably wouldn't shock me. But about an hour into school, we just hear a smash, like glass smashing, and. If you're at this place, you have not heard that since you've been home. You just don't hear that kind of stuff at a treatment center ever. So we're like, what's going on? And we all stand up and staff starts stepping out of the, the, the big adult tent of the school <laughs> year. And we're like looking over and we literally see big old, you know, good Tim Naughton walking out from the, uh, what do you call it? Just from the boys' bunk into the woods, ever so slowly. <laughs> and, uh, the the dude ended up getting his the, the bunk, or I'm sorry, not the bunk, the uh, the the bunk ladder for the bunk for like the bunk bed, and it was basically like a heavy wooden ladder, and he just smashed it through the bunk window, and um, just started walking in the woods, <laughs> and you know technically it was a code atom. You know, they did call it on the speakers. We all had to, like, you know, hold on to the fort and everything and and chill. But um, it was quite the, uh, quite the, you know, the moment. Um, the, I would say the best thing out of that was he stuck. You know, the police had did the police did have to come have to come, um, but he stuck with his word. You know, he told us the night before, if you put me on reflection tomorrow, I'm gonna throw this uh, uh, this ladder through the window. <laughs> and next morning, it was literally happened, and I was like, wow. This guy is fucking awesome. <laughs> that like, is amazing. I, mean, I really regret so not being more of like a, like doing some stuff like that and pulling some. Uh, I really wish I'd done more when I was there. Like really got my parents' money worth. Like yeah, because <laughs> you know what happened too. After he smashed the window and the cops came and everything. Remember, uh, John and the boys or whatever that that weird landscaping crew was that worked there oh yeah i do remember that something and the boys something like that so that crew came down and they replaced that window with a giant piece of uh plywood and it was a beautiful piece of plywood it was like an inch thick it was like cherry wood so me and uh kyle gordon and uh some other dude maybe nico or something we got permission to uh, use that wood for, uh, we made a uh, uh, tool test out of it. And it was really beautiful. So Why do I feel like I remember this? I feel like I, 
I feel like I remember this, but I was like in the girls' group, so I didn't know any of the guys or any of your names. Right, yeah. And you know, because we would vaguely hear your names of over the radio, and then every once in a while, like we would get a glimpse of, you What's know, going you well, you re- I'm sure you remember the same thing with the girls' group. Like, oh, yeah. if you if you were in the school year and we were in the other year across from you guys, and you got um, radio down for therapy, or if you got radio down to anything we would look out the window and we would hear over the radio, Wyatt down to therapy, blah, 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 your therapist is here. Yeah. And we could see who it was. So we'd have a name to the boy because other than that, like it was a guessing game. We didn't know who was who. Um, we didn't know which one of you guys was which. So it was like, um, I'm sure when the code Adam did happen, like we had no idea until like we graduated, like who that code Adam was or like what was going down. Um, so it's interesting that you're like saying that because I feel like I do remember um, there being a code Adam called. We just had to sit it out, yeah. and then uh, there was just some plywood <laughs> over the the boys' lodge. Yeah, because <laughs> it was like a legal. It was a legal issue. Like he smashed a window. Like, and they're like, we don't know if we want to deal with this kid. Like, should we just send him home? Or like, I don't know. He ended up staying, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you literally can't get out of there if you try. Wow, that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. Um, Well, thank you so much, Wyatt, for being on our podcast, Um, especially for being the first one on our podcast. It's been such a pleasure. It has been such a pleasure, Julia. I do appreciate this um, amazing exchange that we've had. Um, I really hope this goes forward. It's been been an honor. Yeah, me too. Is there any um, other things you want to get off your chest or say about... um you'd like to say before I end it? Um, just that I have deep uh, love for all the people that went through this experience, whether they were pulled, graduated, or just went through for a little bit. Um, it was a genuinely eye-opening experience, and I know that there are so many people that have a really bitter um, experience, but I, and I definitely have my, my moments, but I just can't get over the fact that it's quite amazing to know um, everybody that I've met, yourself included, and um, I'm really grateful for that. So grateful for this uh, podcast and that you're setting this up, and I, you know, that's all, really all I got to say. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Wyatt. All right. Well, I'll reach out. All right. Well, you have a lovely evening. You too. Bye, Wyatt. Bye.